Hello, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you are with uh, the GTs, Good Times in Montreal. Um, we are a rock and roll band out of Montreal. <laughs> R- rock and roll? <laughs> rock and roll. Rock and roll. And uh, that sounds like uh, Danny, uh, the publicist. A yeah. Bit. No. No. Um, we couldn't uh, nail that kind of uh, wonderful English accent if we tried. But that being said, uh, we're we're here to bring you our cultural podcast, discussing things we saw, what we read, and maybe something we heard this week. So try and focus on those three angles. Uh, keep it short and sweet. Discuss things we like, things we're into. It doesn't necessarily have to be current. Could be old stuff. Could be old. Could be new. Beloved. You know, and, and when we can, we'll we'll work in a, a local angle. Uh, to to implicate you know Montreal, what's happening culturally in this area, but it's overall things we're into uh, right now. So to start with something we saw, uh, I think uh, Sam went and paid a visit to the uh, local museum, the Montreal Museum of Fine Arts, uh, an amazing institution, and uh, they had an exhibit of Montreal artists from the twenties called the Beaver Hall Artists. They were a collective. Uh, they came from rural Quebec, some of them, but moved to the city. And so um, as opposed to the group of seven, Tom Thompson and, and the like, they don't paint landscapes. They really paint cityscapes in the city, the architecture, the nightlife, portraits of people. It was absolutely beautiful. And it didn't feel like, oh, it's a Montreal exhibit because we're in Montreal. It really felt like it merited this really amazing context and environment a world-class uh absolutely exhibit. world class. I, I would totally say so yes i was really impressed with some of the art now what era was this focused on this is in the 20s so it was like jazz era in the 20s and early 30s and it was a lot of women there were a lot of women painters which is so rare that you see so many and the ones that sort of had a nice reputation later um were a lot of the female artists now you mentioned you found this uh particular exhibit quite inspiring was it because uh, it was montreal or because it was you know a more women were represented than you would have thought or what 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 in particular was inspiring um i mean obviously the women artists it's really great to see that but it was more the fact that it really celebrated montreal in its cosmopolitan heyday as like a port city the all the 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 art deco architecture and you totally recognize the the cityscape of montreal and how it's changed and how it stayed the same and how it was really like like a burgeoning bustling city of commerce and fashion and nightlife and and really city life and it was i thought it was really cool especially because you know, we hear a lot about how Montreal's like on the decline or how across Canada it's not. Who says that? Who says that? Well, you sort of read it. And then because of what I do for a living as a hairstylist, yeah. I talk to a lot of people. Right. It's, you're, you're, it's kind of like being in a cab and people just get to say their yeah. deepest, darkest <laughs> yeah. secrets to you. I know everything. But uh, I don't see the city as being on the decline. But it, either way, uh, and certainly I'm sure our listeners don't. But uh, that being said, that sounds fascinating. And... You should all make your way down and 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 check it out, uh, the Montreal Museum of Fine Art exhibit. Uh, that goes till March. Uh, the birds exhibit goes until March. Unfortunately, the Montreal Art birds exhibit. exhibit. What's that? Yeah, so that's in the basement, and it's they've created an aviary where they have these really cute little budgie birds. I'm not really attracted to birds, but these ones are particularly adorable, and the birds are let free to fly around the room. 
And then they land on guitars that are mounted and the strings of the guitars are connected to amplifiers and the amplifiers are connected to some sort of electroacoustic wiring. And so when the birds fly around the room and land on the strings, it creates this really beautiful sonic landscape. And and it's quite uh it's quite cool. It's a quite cool exhibit. It's an installation. Yeah, That's that, on Tilburg. That sounds Street. amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, is the music enjoyable? I would say yes, because he has it rigged somehow that it's not just like whatever they're playing, like whenever they land. Like you could see that it's sometimes selective because when the birds would fly, I'm like, oh, that one's going to make a noise and it didn't always. So there's some sort of musical trickery to how he's connected the birds and the strings, but it's still really cool. Okay. Like some sort of... well. Who knows what 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 tricks he would have? Unless yeah, there's exactly. some sound guy at the back, like has to yeah. keep an eye All on day. every single bird. He's like, oh no, that Francois is gonna screw it up, and uh-huh. he has to you know tone down Francois's aggressive uh, <laughs> totally. feet. It's pretty nice. It's pr- it's fairly sonorous. I'd say it's really nice to listen to. Francois not the like, budgie, not Joe Satriani style uh, guitar solos. Yeah, there's the budgie. The- <laughs> The, there's a budgie named Joe Santriani, yeah. and he is, you know, the talented one. Exactly. Uh, Face melting guitar solos, but a bit of a show off. So they got to yeah. they got to bring down his, his, him in the mix. He's wearing a baby leather jacket, like a little bird leather jacket. <clears throat> um, very cool. Yeah. And now on on the saw it front, what did you see this uh, week? I I enjoyed the third episode of the new uh, Louis C.K. program. Uh, it's called Horace and Pete. Now, let's just face it, Louis C.K. is bloody amazing. And what he's doing now is he's just... It's not a Netflix show. It's not Amazon. It's certainly not Networks. And it's not HBO. It's none of that. It's bloody... It's 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 Louis C.K. It's produced, written, starring, directed... You know, probably edited, and he probably did all the casting and probably called everyone up, you know. I think he did. And it's just incredible. So so as the third episode starts, and leading up to it, I mean, the cast is amazing. You have, like, Alan Alda playing a real crotchety He's so good on old man. Show. It's, like, kind of an original take on what he can do. He's Because he's, he's, throughout his career, he's been such kind of a overall good guy you know he's he's played you know villains i guess over the years but anyway nonetheless very original role for him you got steve buscemi amazing and uh edie falco you know great cast so but this week um it starts off and i'm sorry the actress from laurie metcalf from roseanne laurie metcalf so it starts off and this is this is uh third third show of the season and well just to back up so it is amazing because i don't think anyone's really done that before just decided i'm going to make a tv show and i'm going to do it professionally and i'll all have you know it'll have all the professional just accoutrement yeah. and such but um there's clearly no outside input so this third episode begins it's like a play it looks almost like a on play. a medium shot of laurie metcalf who who played the sister in the roseanne uh, series from the early 90s or mid 90s and she's telling a story and the story 
linger and the camera lingers on her and she's telling a little bit of a kind of a risque story about her her attraction to her uh her father-in-law 85 year old father-in-law who comes over and does housework does housework does and takes off his handy, shirt handy and, he, man. and he's glistening in the sun and and uh but it's told with such intimacy and confidence and you basically have never seen anything like this. I've never before. seen anything like, like I mean, that a film like Tarantino wouldn't have the the confidence to it's hold like a twenty minute hold monologue. a shot on on uh, Christoph Waltz, you know, uh, opening um, at the opening of Inglorious Bastards. I, I mean, he's even he's got to do tricks and soundtrack stuff and cut to this and cut to that. I mean, Louis C.K. just has and it's riveting. I mean, she's telling this story and she's an amazing actress. And then after about 10, 15 minutes, and you let the cat out of the bag, because he's, he's talking. And then it, who's she talking to? And you're kind of getting this, it's almost getting uncomfortable. Like, what is happening? And it cuts to Louis, and it's him and his ex-wife, and they're having a conversation. But the whole show, it's just them. Is that the first time she's been introduced as yes. his ex-wife? Okay. Yeah. So it kind of has a bit of tension in that, like, who is this person? Who is she talking about? What's the situation? What's you know, the scenario? Is this a current story or an old story? Is this a flashback? What's happening? And that being said, it was just it was just a very interesting piece of television. Um, maybe at the three-quarter part, I start you know, looking at my phone or being a distracted modern person. But uh, up until that point, I, I was riveted. Watched, obviously, I, I finished the episode and enjoyed it very much. If the last half wasn't as amazing as the first half, it's just because maybe it being so original, maybe part of the concept uh, kind of gave way to less attention-grabbing you know, details. There was a good... The Alan Alda has the best line after the entire tension... He just has the best last line. I forget what the line was, but he came in and he kind of gets a last laugh. He's and it kinda, just so good. And, and then, of course, you have the credits, which come on quietly as Louis C.K. sits at the table. And it's like, written by Louis C.K., starring yeah. Louis C.K. Or produ- like, it was almost comical in the sense that we've all seen jokes like that where all the credits go to the same person. Actually, I just saw the Funny or Die uh, Donald Trump parody starring um, Johnny Depp. I Johnny Depp. And that's the joke in that in the Funny or Die uh, short it's a short film. It's fifty five minutes. Wow. Which is a that's another thing I that's saw crazy. this week, and I'll just just to gloss over it a bit. If not hilarious, very like pronounced satirical you know points are being made and uh, enjoyable. Uh, but the big joke in that is every every credit Donald J Trump you know Donald J Trump done in like very Star Warsy kind of like whooshing uh glittery you know you can imagine but uh, funny or die another good thing i saw this week was the um, johnny depp parody of i think it was called the art of the deal um the concept who filmed it like who made it well it's funny or die you know that like it, adam mckay it, well it's donald guys. j trump okay you know <laughs> directed it and it's because uh, he had a he had a, a bestseller in the 80s art of the deal so right. the idea is they filmed it. Donald J. Trump starred and produced and wrote it back okay. in the 80s. Got shelved. And now this is its grand release uh, as he's doing so well in his run for the uh, Republican nomination. Insane. So um, so that's that's what we saw this week. 
Now we're going to move on to something we read. Sam, was there anything interesting you read this week? Well, I have to say that it's not completed yet, but for my Christmas present, you bought me M Train by Patty Smith. Um, and so I started reading it and it's pretty awesome. It's really like she has a very specific style of writing. It's a very um, evocative. You can sort of see everything that she's talking about. She, pay, she She's very succinct. She what's, what's she focusing on in this book? Is she's this focusing a, on... She's done a biography before. She did about her life, her early life in New York with Robert Maplethorpe, who is a photographer. That's a previous book. Previous book was called um, Just Kids. And they were just kids and that focuses on her music career on the beginning of her music career and her relationship with robert maplethorpe and horses and all that exactly exactly how she met the band and how she started and what her reception was and all this kinds of stuff and this one is um it's more sort of specific and more general from what i can understand it's a little bit more current her life in new york city and and she is now a widow and she was married to Fred Sonic Smith, who was in the MC5, the guitarist for the MC5. So it kind of jumps back and forth between these adventures that they have in the early part of their relationship and now her living in New York alone. As so a, this is about her relationship with Fred Sonic With Fred Smith. Sonic Smith. And it's quite beautiful. The first story that I just read was um, they go to Suriname on a trip. She wants to go to Suriname, which is near Haiti. And there's like, you know, military coups and, you know, it's it's not a, a, it's not a safe, entirely safe place to go, but their journey there together and their, their burgeoning romantic relationship. And they celebrate their first anniversary there. Well, you're about halfway through that and it sounds, sounds yeah, like an interesting Yeah, it's really read. lovely. It's really lovely. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It was a great, it's a, it's, she doesn't write, it's just not a difficult writer to read and she sort of writes the way that she talks and the way that her songs are. It's like everything is, it's quite poetic and it's quite good. I read uh, Nathaniel West's Day of the Locust. It's a 1939 novel set in uh, Hollywood. Interesting book because it's, it's based most Hollywood stories are, are based on, you know, whatever producer or, you know, some success story. And this, of course, is based on the outsiders, the wannabes, uh, dare I say, the losers. I mean, uh, there, there was lots of art references in this book. And I don't have my notes ready to refer to which artists in particular, but a lot of, like, grotesque imagery hmm. inspired... Uh, well, the, the main character, Todd Hackett, is in, inspired by, because he's a set designer, but it kind of informs the imagery of the book, you know, the, this idea of kind of faceless, empty people watching, you know, they're always watching things, they're watching movies, they're watching glamour, their lives are not adding up to much, and they've come to Hollywood, and they've had dreams, but the dreams die... And, and, and their inspiration dries up, or maybe they never had any talent to begin with, but here they are in sunny L.A., and it's it's all about the watching and the watching and the deterioration and the grotesque kind of... Uh, the ugliness of, of what all this desire... Um, and, and just lack, and what it, what it adds up to, which is, you know kind of a violent sort of um, cathartic end of times. I mean, it's 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 not a happy book. It's well, not a happy book. And it's quite pertinent to this day where we all kind of aspire to be 
something. Stars or however YouTube channel. What year is channel. this? What year? 1939. Wow. Um, but uh, so very timely to, to me and and an enjoyable book. And I, I intend to go back and read his um, Miss Lonely Hearts. Which is uh, supposedly his masterpiece. I thought it w I thought this was considered Nathaniel West's masterpiece, but uh, I enjoyed it very much. And you can tell we're not you know literary uh, experts here. We're just talking about our, our experience with this novel, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I, and I would recommend it. Now moving on, um, something we heard this week. I think I think we have the same thing on our list. I think it's the Aretha Franklin box set that you bought. Um, I guess a couple weeks ago, but we've been listening to it uh, in our home um, that we share, and it's every time my ear clues in, or you're, or we're playing it, and it's just on either in the background or the foreground. It is, it's like I I love you more when well, we it's were, playing. We were watching the oh, it's true. We me. were watching the um, the Kennedy Honors, which we tend to do in like you know we some week. Cry, in, we love it in early January. You know where veterans of uh, you know cultural uh, who have reached the pinnacle of cultural success get honored you know and i'm sure either we know them or we don't sometimes it's great to discover yeah, someone some, some choreographer we never heard of or someone or a conductor we're more familiar with totally so this year uh carol king the the tin pan alley uh songwriter and who had major breakthrough in the early 70s in the singer-songwriter genre with Tapestry and just overall beloved uh, pop uh, figure was treated to uh, a performance, a tribute performance by Aretha Franklin to Carole King. It was... Uh, she, she sang the song You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, which... Aretha has done a w amazing cover of, and after seeing that performance, and I think everyone was talking about it, and Aretha really she did it on the piano. Let it all hang out. She played. She started off on piano and then gospel. moved up the stage. And she's always been a great piano player. Or I actually wasn't so sure about that, but I know it was so impressive how she played. Yeah, a, a great recording artist and a great obviously my well not obviously but my favorite singer of all time. Totally. And upon seeing this performance, I reflected, I was like, well, why do I only know, like, the song Think? Or why do I just know that song, you know, Respect? Or, like, why is it she's known for about seven songs? And she's had, you know, a career since the mid-60s, going on almost 50 years now. I, I went online and, and I bought her uh, her discography. Which you know these day, this day and age to get a uh, it was a it was a nice little box set with where the the albums are kind of reproduced and there's not a lot of filler and outtakes and all this weird stuff that modern CD reissues tend to have. It's their ten song albums and about ten or fifteen came in the box set and it's just very enjoyable. And I took over your your thing, but that's okay. Uh, just to give a well, because I think we both had it on our list, so it's 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 our choice for what we heard this week. And the gospel album in particular, I wanted to single out because it is just like she is speaking directly to God. I mean, it is like a joyous, beautiful, well orchestrated. Every time you hear any, like it sounds really good. It's just like the best of what you want, like a gospel album to sound like. 
voice instrumentation it's just really good and as i suspected i mean my whole point was i just know she's got some deep cuts you know just ready to rock me and so many songs we hadn't heard before yeah so many obviously and but just and rocking very satisfying soulful so good jazzy gospely uh poppy a lot of like you know beetle covers and like maybe get a simon and garfunkel cover or whatever and Actually, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, she did like Bridge Over Trevor War. But uh, lots of cool covers, lots of originals, um, and lots of cool collaborations. Like there's the album she did that was composed and produced by Curtis Mayfield. And uh, just lots of real gems in this in this collection. And uh, we'd, we'd, we'd recommend it highly if you, if you wanted to check that out or if you still buy CDs or what have you. Uh, or however you listen to music. Dig deep, deep and, and and get some of the um some of the uh, some of those uh, classic albums from Aretha's uh, career from the '60s and '70s. Just really, really great stuff. So I, I think we're kind of near the end of our. This is our debut podcast, you know. And here we are on Valentine's Day, and we're, we're, we 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 finally got our stuff together and plugged in our mics and. We kind of had fun. We did. We had a great. I had a great time. It was really fun. We had to work out some of our flow <laughs> issues, and we've had to stop recording a few times. But we're we glad we finally did it, and uh, we we plan to bring this to you on a regular basis. The GTs, Good Times in Montreal weekly podcast, cultural podcast. Uh, we're gonna sign off, sign out, sayonara, and see you next week. See you next week. Bye.